Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today we're joined by Dr. Katherine Darley, the expert in natural sleep medicine. Having treated patients for over 20 years, she teaches the sleep skills people need to thrive through her online courses. You can find her most everywhere at Skilled Sleeper. In today's conversation, we're talking about our circadian system and how we've gotten off track in modern culture when it comes to sleep and health. Listen and learn how taking some simple steps can improve your sleep to reduce inflammation, protect your brain health, and feel better than you imagine. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. This is such an important topic, and I love the work that you're doing of just really in a, I think, easily digestible way, educating people about the importance of sleep and also, you know, the steps that we can take. Um, and, and so I would love to really start with basics. Um, but first I want to know, like, how did you become skilled sleeper? Like how, how, why is this your passion? Yeah. So I actually got interested in college. There was a local school district that was doing major renovations of one of their high schools and they just didn't have enough space. So what they did is they had some one group of high school students go at the regular 7.30 to 2.30 and then they had another group of students use that same high school facility from 3 to 9 p.m. And that is actually better for teenagers' body clock. And it's just um, that really sparked my interest and kept my interest going. So uh, since then, I've worked as a research assistant in a sleep lab. I've done the overnight sleep studies while I was in medical school. And for the last 20 years, I've had my own practice treating people of all ages. And my goal, it may sound big, uh, unbelievably big, is to uplift the sleep of America Doing patient care one by one by one is very gratifying, but it doesn't impact a whole bunch of people. So now I'm getting out more into the world talking about the importance of sleep because everybody sleeps. I love that. And that's why we're having this conversation, right? I'm a, I'm an introvert and never, you know, I didn't have dreams of being a podcast host. Um, but it's same thing, realizing that, you know, I love my one-on-one clients um, but we need to change the conversation. And and I feel like some of the things that are so obvious when we live the way we live, people have no idea about. Um, right. And so, yeah. So let's dive in. I know my listeners know sleep is one of my my passion pillars. Um, and and but I, I really still think we can't have enough conversations. Um, so let's start with the why, right? Let's like what is Let's talk about the circadian system and like, why are we so far off how nature intended at this point in time in, in society? Yeah, thank you for asking that. 
You know, with the advent of electricity decades ago now, people just easily moved inside. And it is a lot easier to be inside when you have got a light switch to flick rather than candlelight, firelight, all that. And when we step inside, we remove ourselves from that natural light dark, light, dark cycle Outdoors at this time, even though where I am, it's overcast, it's rainy, it's probably close to 10,000 lux of light. Whereas here, even with a computer screen, the lights on, another computer, it is about 160 lux of light, which is not sufficient for human health. Uh, A lux, to give a a reference, one lux is equal to one candle flame. And we need to have at least 250 lux of light during the day when the sun is up. And in office buildings and homes, we don't get 250 lux of light. I love, I love this. I think this is really the secret reason, you know, my bigger reason is to share the conversations, but I always learn so much. Um, And again, even though I just said to you before we hit record that, you know, I, you, we were talking to blue blockers and, and um, which I'm sure we'll get to, but I literally used to wear glasses over my glasses. So I, as much as of a geek as I am, um, these are new numbers for me. So I'm excited to, to have some more info in my arsenal. So thank you for that. Yes. Because I, I think that I love that you took it all the way back, which is really when our lifestyle started to shift to electricity. You know, we hear so much right now about blue light. I feel like it's almost the same as with diet, right? People are with autoimmunity, especially are like, tell me what not to eat, right? What should I be avoiding? And it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> What about, you know, what you need to be eating also? And so I think there's so much attention on avoid blue light, avoid blue light. But what I'm hearing you say, like right out the gate is we're actually not getting enough light in our eyes during the day. Yes, we're not getting enough light in our eyes during the day. And what happens, Julie, when we get sunlight in the morning is it signals to our whole body, it is time to be awake. It is time to be active, alert, productive, uh, energetic. And without that signal, we can feel fatigued. Um, One of the things that happens in the sleep system is that our melatonin is still slightly elevated when we wake up. And we need that strong light signal from the sun to suppress whatever melatonin is still on board. Uh, so that is really an important piece. I think that's missing of the conversation is the recommendation is at least 20 minutes of bright outside light um, in the first hour or two of the day. And I said, um, because, you know, a common question crossed my mind and, and people say, well, I sit next to the window or I drive, you know, in the in the first hour of my day, is that enough light? And they're thinking I'm going to say yes. And actually, it's not. There's coatings on windows. The, um, you know, the ceiling is going to overhang enough that you're just not getting enough light. I love that you brought that up. I get that. I live in Colorado, although I work with people all over, but I get that question all the time in the winter. It's easy, you know, and, and I love that you're starting, you know, if we're talking 
cycles and rhythms, right? Yes, what you do first thing in the morning actually really does <laughs> impact your sleep. And people are always like, wait, I said I'm having a sleep issues. So why are you talking to me about morning? Um, so what do you have other than like, you know, suck it up buttercup? Do you have <laughs> any recommendations for those winter months if people are somewhere cold and to, you know, how do you make yourself get out there? Yeah, I, I like um bundle up you know there's no easy answer you're you're gonna have to be in the cold weather to go outside and get enough light uh which is great because cold therapy is awesome (laughs) so i'm always i'm a big stacker you know you know (laughs) yes and well and sometimes people ask about uh light boxes and there is certainly a place for light boxes but Myself as a naturopathic physician, I'm also keeping in mind all the other health benefits of being exposed to nature and going outside. Yes, you can uh, maybe replace with a light box, but you're not going to be getting the wonderful volatile chemicals from the trees. That scent of pine actually stimulates our immune system. You're not going to get that if you're replacing the sunlight outdoors with a light box indoors. So it's really... Um, kind of acknowledging that we human beings are meant to be, we have been most of human history embedded in nature. And when you step away from nature, you just cannot replicate the entire benefits of nature inside. It's just not possible. I love that. That's, it's true. It's so true. And I love the grace. You're not like, oh, you have to get up and run outside you know, within the first 10 minutes of lifting your head off the pillow. So, you know, even if it's moms who have to get kids off to school, whatever it is, like we can all create. No, nobody has the time. We have to create the time and really prioritize. Um, Yeah. Let's talk a little more about, you know, for people that are like, well, I've heard of circadian rhythm, you know, what I know you know it. It sounds obvious to yeah. us, but you know, why are we even why do we care that we used to live, you know, without electricity and and artificial light? Yeah, so our circadian circa means uh, around and dn means day. So that's around a day. And we in our body, every organ system has this 24-hour pattern where it does more or less of its function at different times of day. Many of our systems are set to kind of slow down during nighttime during sleep. A really common example that people, most people can identify with is our digestive tract. Our digestive tract is set to be active and easily digest food during the day, but not at night. So if you have ever stayed up late for a special event or worked overnight, studied overnight, got up super early for a travel day and tried to eat at a time that you're usually asleep, Often the food just sits there. It just does not digest. People get an upset stomach because their circadian rhythm of digestion is set to be off and less active at night. Uh, And, you know, we could go through every organ system has times of day that it does more or less of its work. Yeah. And especially anybody with autoimmunity or any kind of chronic illness or inflammation, I'm often focusing on the systems that are actually really working while we're sleeping and getting restorative sleep, like detox, like, you know, 
lymphatic cleaning, brain cleaning. You know, there's there are some healing. There's a lot of repair happening at night, and you know, beautiful, good. Like even people sleeping. Maybe we'll get to that too. But like, does it matter what time you sleep? And could, can we influence? And we do in a way that's not healthy. Is there a way? to influence, you know, our patterns. I know so many people who think that they're super sleepers um, until we show them they're not. Um, And I know, you know, genetically, there's this tiny little percentage of the population that's a super sleeper. But if you really think four hours of sleep at at night is enough for you, you're probably wrong. Right. Um, You know, like, what's that range? Does it matter if you sleep, you know, if you go to bed really late? Again, we're talking circadian, so sun cycles, day cycles. Yes. So we do think about people being strongly morning types, evening types, or neither. Most people are going to be kind of middle of the road and not strongly. And I think about this, uh, you know, people fall on this bell curve of what their circadian chronotype is, or biorhythm is another phrase. And I think it's best to honor that. Think about it like your height. You mm-hmm. know, you might be tired and kind of slouched. That's what I do if I'm tired. You might be proud and happy and standing tall, but your height doesn't vary much. And similarly, whether you're a morning person or a night person or neither, doesn't vary much. So what I like people to connect with is if the whole world was on your schedule, uh-huh. what hours would you keep? You know, if the banking hours, the work hours, the family hours, all of those things that we adjust ourselves to, if they were on your rhythm, what hours would you naturally sleep? Because people have a time that they uh, will feel sleepy and a time that they feel ready to, to wake up. And that is actually set deep in the brain. And that is why I think it's best, first of all, to align your lifestyle with that if possible. And then if it's not possible, you can use precisely timed light and darkness and melatonin at the right timing has a little bit of an effect also. You could shift your body clock a little bit, but as soon as you remove those interventions, you're going to bounce right back to what your natural set point is. Amazing. And so maybe silly question. (laughs) I think of, you know, winter, um, again, back to cycles, right? So we've, we don't have a lot of daylight in the winter. I do believe thousands of years ago, we were sleeping more in the winter. I mean, is that, you know what I mean? Throughout the year, are we to be adjusting or does it not matter? Oh, absolutely. People, human beings sleep more in the winter when they're in natural light, dark conditions. And there's, uh, you said you're in Colorado. There's actually some great research coming out of sleep labs in Colorado where they're taking people camping. First they did it for a week, but then they did it just, just for a weekend and a weekend of camping in the winter uh, people will have mel- elevated melatonin for about two hours more a night and sleep um, a little less than two hours more, but they will sleep significantly longer uh, just in a weekend of not having that uh, electric light input. I believe it. And again, how do you, like for me, I I sleep just amazing when I go camping and I'm a princess, but when I go camping, I, 
I sleep the best, but some of that also, it's the light, but it's also the nature, the smells, the sounds, you know, all, all the things. Um, but I think that we've just gotten so far away from giving ourselves, like you said, listening to our bodies and giving ourselves that permission of, you yes. know, like, oh, it's it's been dark now. I mean, it is a little rough. I, I was in the UK last or two months ago. Um, and I mean, it doesn't get light until like 930 in the morning <laughs> and it's dark at three. Uh, you know, those are really short days. It is definitely hard to be productive if you're really listening to your body in that environment. But, you know, somehow we need to figure that out, like that combining the modern society with natural cycles. Right. And I think actually getting outside in the morning will help with that because you get this natural uh, energy boost when you get that daylight uh, in the morning that can kind of fuel your day. The other concern that I have about, um, you know, not having enough darkness at night, because that's Mm. the other flip side of the coin. We're not getting enough light during the day, but we're not getting enough darkness at night. Um, is that without adequate darkness, our melatonin doesn't uh, elevate and it's not released for as many hours of the night. And melatonin is known as the hormone of darkness. It does help us. It also, once the melatonin is released from the brain, it enters our circulation and it sends to every cell in the body, which has melatonin receptors, it's nighttime, time to switch into this nighttime physiology. The third piece that melatonin does for us, it is a very strong antioxidant, a very strong anti-inflammatory. It also has neuroprotective properties. It helps with bone uh, reformation, keeping strong bones, many other actions. And if we are constantly getting sunlight in the night and suppressing our melatonin, what's the consequence going to be over years or decades of having, you know, potentially two hours less of melatonin activity night after night after night? That is a question I have. I'm hoping researchers are looking at it. I haven't seen any research that looks directly at that, Uh, you know, Light pollution is so prevalent. It's over 80% of human beings on earth are under light pollution at night. So it's it can even be hard to find populations that don't have this chronic melatonin suppression. Because we're never gloom and doom. And we'll get to, there are steps we can all take oh, to totally. protect our sleep. And so we we talked about, you know, first thing, kind of non-negotiable so impactful. I think if you didn't change anything else, you would still feel the difference if you get outside and get that sunlight in the morning. Absolutely. Um, You know, if somebody's just starting on this journey of like, okay, fine, you know, I did the food, I did the time, you know, I'm ready. I'm going to, I'm going to work on sleep. And they, they've been doing that or they've started that. Um, You know, what is your position on supplementing with melatonin? Uh, for the people that know, you know, we're not even just talking right now about schedules and light, but people that actually know they struggle with sleep. Um, just curious because I, I have heard, you know, everybody has an opinion. (laughs) Yours is educated. So I want to know what it is. Sure. Um, my view on using melatonin supplements is that there is, it is appropriate at times 
that some of the considerations for people to make and, and check with their healthcare provider around is the dose. What is the right dose for the purpose I'm taking it for? Because there are many sleep, circadian, and other conditions that people might take melatonin. Is the do- What's the right dose? From one to three milligrams is what we typically think of, or even 0.3 to three milligrams is what we think of in that sleep and circadian rhythm disorders. There's no evidence that above three works better for sleep or circadian conditions. So that's something to keep in mind. The other thing uh, you wanna think about is the format. Is it immediate release or is it time release? People who are falling asleep easily at the beginning of the night, but are having those middle of the night wake-ups, it might be more appropriate to take a time release type of formula. Uh, You also want to think about the timing. If you have a circadian rhythm disorder, then the timing is not necessarily going to be right at bedtime like it would be for insomnia. And then the last thing I like to think about is either phytomelatonin or synthetic. Um, I'm a fan of the phytomelatonin because the plants have lots of other (laughs) benefits and the synthetic could potentially have contaminants from the manufacturing process uh, still in the compound. So that's, you know, those are some of the things to think about and make sure that you're getting the right uh, dose, timing, format, formula, source, all of that. Simple. No. (laughs) So, so, and what about this idea um, that if you're supplementing with melatonin, you're going to suppress your, your body's production of melatonin. Is that true or is that a fallacy? That is a fallacy. There does not seem to be any feedback loop where your melatonin gets to a certain level and it feeds back and shuts down your your production of melatonin. The part that is still uh, an open question that's being investigated is whether long-term supplementation changes the receptors for melatonin. It doesn't seem to be true, but I know it is something that's still being investigated and uh, not quite conclusive yet. Okay. And I do think as it seems like as more information and studies come out around melatonin, some of these things like the immunoprotective, you know, it just seems like we're learning a lot more and more good stuff, right? I I think a recent virus had had a lot to do with this, like seeing melatonin in a new light. Um, And so let's circle back. And that was unintentional pun there to to the (laughs) circadian cycle. So in the mornings, we we want the sunlight and we want to trigger like, okay, let's suppress melatonin. Let's release cortisol. Time to wake up, be productive, go do your thing. Catch yeah. something, right? You want to eat tonight, go <laughs> catch something. Uh, so, you know, where, and I know that there's, but there are some things that are universal. So what are your other big kind of like, you know, wait, I, we mentioned it's, you know, yes, it's do this, don't do that, but also do this, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think about it as a sleep healthy lifestyle. You get up, you have some light in the first couple hours, and then every two hours or so you go out and get a sun break. And even if it's overcast, it's still going to be worth it. Plus, you know, that wraps in the benefits of moving and not sitting all the time, getting nature, taking a mental break from your tasks, lots of benefits from that. 
and Take then your shoes um, off when you go out there. Yes, <laughs> barefoot. Yes, I don't know if I want to do that today in the snow. It depends. But... Although I, I have a client. He lives in the mountains, so there's been snow. You know, since it started, he'll have snow for the rest of the winter, and he's so hooked on grounding now that he's going out in the snow and I'm like, okay, well, just be careful, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. but, or, or again, any kind of stacking, but if we're getting true sunlight, we're, we're in nature. So, right. Um, although if you're in a city, still go outside, like that's, that's okay. Totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and then one of the factors that we didn't talk about that strengthens your circadian system, the light is more about the circadian system for your in your brain, but then we have circadian system in every tissue. That is more um, synchronized by having meals at regular times. That's something that many people um, don't realize has an impact on their circadian system and therefore on their sleep. You want to have meals start in the same 30-minute window all days of the week. So if you're starting breakfast between 7 and 7.30 on a work day, you want to have it around that same time on week weekends or days off. Same with lunch, same with snacks, same with dinner. Um, so that's part of having a sleep-healthy lifestyle. One thing that people often ask me is exercise. What time is the best time for exercise? And actually for sleep, um, exercise timing can shift your circadian rhythm. So if you want to have an easy time falling asleep fairly early and getting up earlier, then you want to exercise before four o'clock in the afternoon. If you want to shift your body clock later so that you stay up later and you wake up later, 7 p.m. or after is the best time to exercise. I love that. And a lot of things impact our sleep. I know I can't, if I do sauna in the evening, my, I just, my body temperature stays a little bit elevated for me to get optimal deep sleep. Um, so, and I'm not saying everybody has to track, although eventually it's nice to play with at some point. But, we, you know, we need to consider, you know, what our routine is. And, and, and I love that you you touched on, I want to I circle back and highlight, so we're not supposed to, you know, catch up on sleep on the weekends and, and get up early during the week and then sleep in on the weekends? Yeah, unfortunately, no. What happens is that people, after just three nights of being partially sleep deprived, you lose insight into how negatively impacted your performances. You start to think, oh, well, I guess I got used to only six hours of sleep. If you met, if we measure your performance, it's still very okay. impaired, <laughs> but just our sensation of um, impairment is lost. So that's one concern. And the other thing that um, we kind of have known, but some new research that's really well done and a very large number of participants just in the last couple months has shown that we variability is part of what we need to be looking at, not just the number of hours of sleep, but the variability. So the recommendation is that your bedtime and your wake time don't vary by more than 30 minutes okay. across the week or across the month, and that your total sleep time, whether it's seven hours, eight hours, nine hours, uh, doesn't vary more than 60 minutes across the week. So those are some targets that people can aim for. I like that. That's that's great information, actually. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think all of it's great information. Um, but and I love as we're learning more and more and more. What about napping? Yeah, so um 
I think that napping is fine. For some people, they struggle to get enough hours of sleep at night. I'm thinking about high school students, college students, you know, people who have naturally a much more night owl schedule, but -hmm. yet they have to get up early for school, going to school and then coming home and taking a nap from 2.30 to 4 every day and then having more energy for the evening, I think can be positive. So naps should be either 30 minutes or a full hour and a half sleep cycle. You don't want to wake up out of deep sleep because you won't feel good and it'll take about 20 minutes to get with the program. And you want to take your naps earlier in the afternoon, not um, in the evening or after dinner or anything. Not right before bedtime. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. That makes sense. Well, that's perfect. So we're intentionally getting sunlight in the morning. We're taking our sun breaks every two hours. Um, and I think that that's just a prescription everybody can claim. Yeah. <laughs> um, then what? What are what are we doing? Because you hear all this talk about blue light, blue light, where you and I are on screens right now. Um, people that some people don't even have a choice. I, I know when I built this house, they thought I was insane because I said I only incandescent lights in my house. And they were like, we don't do that anymore. I'm like, I'll worry about where I'm going to get my light bulbs. That's what I want you to put in the house because, you know, I didn't want a lot of a blue light being thrown, but we can't always control all of that. So right. How, what do you prescribe? Yeah. So I have got a couple um, ideas on that. One is the reason sometimes I find like it's more motivating if you know the why. More sunlight has much more blue in the morning. And so that's why we respond with wakefulness to blue light. If you look at sunlight in the evening, it's much more that reddish pinkish uh, hue of sunset and it doesn't have much blue. And that's why it helps us be ready for sleep. So some strategies and some information, you're supposed to be in 10 lux or less for three hours before bed. Uh, One tip is people can put on their phone a lux meter that's spelled L-U-X, and you can hold it up to your eye and measure how much light you're getting. Um, If you, you know, three hours I think is pretty hard because people are often still in their productive task-oriented part Mm -hmm. of their day. If that is you, you can put on blue blocking glasses. These are mine. These are mine. Uh, yeah, they they live overnight on my bedside table. And during the day, they usually live on my coffee table because that's where I spend my evenings. Um, you, When you're getting blue blocking glasses, you really want them to have this reddish color of lens. Yep. Uh, yours are more... These um, are my daytime, yes, just exactly. for the assault from the screens. What about right. I have, because again, we talked about, you know, I don't want to wear two pair of glasses anymore. Um, I have red lights in my, in my bedroom, just regular in, in certain lamps. The bulbs are red because when the sun goes down, that's the light I want feelings on that. What do you think? I think that's a great strategy. And what, um, what I've done in my home, because I don't want to have red per se. Is it that does I, look a bit like a brothel from the outside. I have had, <laughs> I live in the country, uh, but I have clients that live in neighborhoods and 
people are wondering what's happening in their houses at night. Right, <laughs> right. So I have um, some strings of twinkle lights that I've placed really carefully and artfully around my living room and then also in the bedroom so that we can turn those on and it gets, just gives a really nice, almost candlelight colored glow. They are, um, they look like incandescent lights. They're not like a a bright fluorescent was, LED Thank color. you for clarifying. I was going to yeah. say, but because so many now, you know, everything has moved in that direction. Um, so good to know you can still find that really soothing, yeah. soft twinkle light. Yeah, it, it is. It looks very, um, you know, it looks, it looks lovely. And then I also, in each room, I have a lamp that is meant to be for wind down time. Okay. And it's either aimed up or it's on a table and it's low enough and has a shade so that the light is never directly on your eyes. And in those, I have put older style incandescent and dim bulbs. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a great, you know, 10 minute fun project, particularly if you've got kids or if you've got um, folks who love the science and the <laughs> measuring is to put the Lux meter on your phone adjust the lighting to where it's 10 lux or less and that you can have that for your wind down time. I also like to use tech to put a wind down alarm on the phone two hours before that time. Like a health have coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. That's that. so, and does it matter? We, and I do the same as you, I'm always going backwards from bedtime because again, I don't think it's realistic for most of us to be in the dark when the sun goes down with the way modern life is. I couldn't run two businesses if I literally, like I would just have to pack it up in the winter. Um, (laughs) So it, it really doesn't matter. It's whatever your rhythm and cycle is, which will probably adjust as you're making some of these changes anyway. Um, But really just that working backwards from bed. Yes, absolutely. And there is research both in people who have insomnia and who have a delayed sleep-wake phase, which is kind of an extreme form of being a night owl, Mm -hmm. that wearing the blue blocking glasses either for two hours before bed or starting at 9 p.m. shifts sleep onset uh, hours earlier and also improves total sleep time. So I think you know, at this point, pretty much everybody needs to have a pair of blue blockers that they can wear um, in the evenings. And yeah. side note, if you're like me and you have blue blockers in your prescription glasses and you're going outside for your sun break, take your glasses off and don't be wearing sunglasses out. Like this is sunlight in your eyes, you know, um, don't, you don't have to stare at the sun, but getting that light in your eyes is is essential and i love you're very gentle i have i really literally have friends that only use candlelight at night and as committed as i am to wellness that's just not realistic for me and for most people like i it's one of those things like if i'm not doing it it's tough to do and and so i love that these suggestions are all doable yeah yeah and i like to you know as a clinician as a physician I like to have the attitude that better is better you know if you end up half an hour before bedtime dimming the lights and 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 um putting aside your devices 
And instead of having everything bright as day until you turn out the lights for sleep, that is better. And I applaud you, you know, making these kinds of, I mean, I don't think there's anything harder actually than changing your habits, changing your habits is like, that's where better is better. And one step, don't listen to this episode and run out. Yeah. You can do the lights and all the, you know, but don't try to do all of it right away. You know, start with one step. I would say start with the morning. I don't know. I think that, yeah, the the morning light is definitely something that doesn't get enough attention and and could be new information for people. Yeah, I love that. Amazing. So what is one step? We, We talked about a bunch of them and I just kind of did circle back to one. So you can pick out whatever you want. You can reiterate. It could be something you haven't mentioned yet. But what's one thing that listeners can start doing today to improve their health? Well, since we're recording after breakfast, I'm going to say the one thing that you could do today is set the alarm on your phone for an hour or more before bed. And at that time, dim the lights to 10 lux or put on blue blockers that I think you will notice the difference within a few days. I love that. Awesome. That's such great advice. And again, very coach approach is people think, oh, I heard this. I'm going to remember. That's easy. No, you're not. <laughs> Set an alarm because um, the point isn't to push bedtime later because you forgot to get off your screens. Um, and and again, that gentle, you know, ideal would be no screens. No, you know, like let's all, we, but we're not going for perfect. We're going for better. And so yeah. I, I love your approach. Great. Thank you, Julie. Before we wrap up, for people listening in their car, on their jog, on their walk, on the go, where's the best place to find you? So I'm on social media at Skilled Sleeper, Instagram, YouTube, Substack. And then I have online courses for that are customized for different unique demographics and the needs for ones for women, ones for shift workers, ones for families. And you could find those at skilledsleeper.com. Love it. Catherine, thank you so much. You've shared amazing gold with us today. Thank you. So glad to be here. Sleep well, everyone. For everyone listening, remember you can get the transcripts and show notes by visiting ensuming.show. Hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast helping you take your power back.